0: Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Tech UK's podcast. My name is Laura Foster, Program Manager of Tech and Innovation at Tech UK, and I'll be your host for this podcast exploring the future of business transformation at the edge and what this means for the UK. Edge computing is set to transform UK businesses in the year ahead. In fact, it is estimated that by 2025, 75% of data will be processed at the edge. Now, edge computing brings crucial advantages such as reducing latency in data processing, overcoming bandwidth challenges and enabling intelligent automation. Edge is also expected to become a key part of the digital infrastructure that will deliver the full potential of transformative technologies like 5G, digital twins, IoT and AI. In other words, we are heading towards technology-focused businesses that are powered by the edge. In 2021, Tech UK believes edge computing will be key for UK organisations of all sizes and sectors. We need to ensure that they are ready, willing and able to embrace edge computing. There are key topics we need to consider as we push forward this digital transformation. We have brought three expert speakers to this podcast today who will help us understand how to utilise edge computing. Firstly, I am joined by Stephen Patterson, who is Vice President of Public Affairs at Arm, and he will give an overview of the current edge ecosystem and where we currently are at in the UK. We are also joined by Joe Bagley, CTO of VMware, who will focus on innovation at the edge. In doing so, we will start discussing by cloud native edge. Many of you are aware cloud can help businesses fully leverage edge computing and bring consistency to edge and cloud. We will then discuss how Edge enables adoption of other forms of emerging technologies, particularly 5G. Joe will help bring together the digital transformation at the Edge. Finally, I'll be joined by Mehdi Kazmi, who is Global Head of Sales in Edge Computing from Atos. And he'll help us look at some of the unknowns of Edge, including answering some key questions around security and sustainability. I am delighted to be joined by these three great speakers, starting with Stephen. So, I am now joined by Stephen Patterson, who is the VP of Public Affairs from ARM. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Stephen.
1: Thanks, Laura. It's a pleasure.
0: We are now in the new year. Um, What do you think the future of edge computing is going to look like in 2021?
1: Well, I'm going to start this by quoting. a line which I first heard from Professor Luciano Floridi, actually at the Tech UK um, Data Ethics Summit uh, in December. And he said, and I think he was quoting too, I think he'd heard the line from somewhere else. He said he thought the year 2020 would turn out to be the first year of the 21st century and he had you know there's quite a sort of argument not argument but it's quite a sort of uh, analysis that backs that up and it goes roughly in the in the 20th century it wasn't until about 1920 that things really began to feel quite different from how, how they had felt in the 19th century so it wasn't until after the first world war And indeed after an epidemic the spanish flu epidemic of 1918 to to, to 19 that suddenly uh, people and society felt and behaved quite differently and so the argument is that actually so far in the 21st century things haven't felt terribly different from how they felt in the 20th century but last year the year 2020 could change all that and it's an interesting it's an interesting thought and I think it has um, some really important uh, grains of truth. So, you know, what happened last year, among many, many things, was that, of course, we all became much more reliant on uh, the digital world. Let's call it that, communications and so on and so forth. And I think that is going to accelerate the uptake of and demand for digital services, Um uh very quickly so uh, you know things that we might have thought would take four or five years to be taken up before 2020 we can now expect to be taken up much faster and i think as we look forward to 2021 what we will see is growing interest in how we can use um connectivity in all sorts of new ways. And uh, uh, that coincides with a couple of other trends from uh, uh, you know recent, if you like, political or, or kind of intellectual developments. One is a growing interest in, in doing something uh, more strenuous, more energetic to address um, climate change. So we'll be looking, I think, at ways in which technology can help us uh, address the challenge of climate change. And there'll be all sorts of ways, but there will be a greater spotlight on how we can use the network um uh, while reducing its energy footprint, its energy consumption. So I think all these things point to the fact that we will be looking at renewed impetus for rolling out edge computing um during uh, 2021 and beyond for a whole host of reasons, uh, and some of the others we'll get into, as, as I'm sure as we we go further in this conversation.
0: That's great, Stephen. Thank you. So you mentioned the a renewed impetus into edge computing. Do you mind explaining a little bit more why that is the case, or in other words, what is the prize to be won with edge?
1: I think the, um, the impetus for edge or the prize to be won for edge comes from the growing demand to process data, uh, in real time or, or certainly very, very quickly. Uh, and when you look at the sorts of applications, we're envisaging whether it's in transport whether it's in uh, manufacturing and logistics and so on the the requirement to process data very fast uh is something which underlies the demands in, in a lot of these sectors um and um edge is able to deliver that i mean edge as, as I'm sure everybody knows. I mean, essentially, uh, one of its main advantages is to reduce the latency caused by, by transferring data to the cloud and back uh, for processing. And this is not to say that there isn't a role for cloud. There is a role for cloud, a big one. But um, there will also be a role for doing more computing closer to the edge. And I should perhaps describe a little bit um, about how we see the sort of, structure of the edge computing world. I mean, as I say, this isn't an either or. It's not cloud or edge. It's yes, there will be the cloud and the cloud will be there to do quite a lot of the heavy lifting still as at present. Um, but at the same time, there will be edge computers, you know, co- computing power located quite near to where data is collected, but, but, but located in, in data centers and servers in offices and um, small base stations and so on and so forth. And they will be able to collate data from a whole lot of um, nodes and process it very quickly. And then you get those nodes. The third element of this is the other nodes, which some call endpoints, Uh, And those are actually the sensors that are out there um, picking up the data. And some of them will be processing that data too in the sensor. Now, of course, there'll be all sorts of constraints, power constraints and memory and storage constraints in those very small sensors right in the endpoints. But they will be doing some processing and then they will be sending the data up to the uh, endpoint. Servers and data centers, who will be doing some processing, and then some things will of course go right back to the cloud so there's this kind of three stage thing, and what this offers you as I said before is is, is faster processing of data uh, so for any application that involves real time processing, this is going to be the way to go. it offers you um, a smaller energy footprint uh, it, it offers you Greater security, I mean, greater security certainly in the sense that the data uh, being processed in this way uh, has less chance of exposure to um, hackers and and bad actors and and so on and so forth. So uh, it it has a large uh, number of varieties, I think, which will um, uh, continue to drive it forward uh, as as we go ahead.
0: I think it's important to discuss the relationship between cloud and edge, and both are going to be crucial technologies for the coming years. A number of policy discussions view these technologies together in tandem, but this sometimes overshadows the role of edge in itself. Can you explain why edge deserves a seat at the policy table in its own right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, they go in tandem, but that doesn't mean that having solved the problems for cloud, you solved all the problems uh, yeah. for Edge. Uh, Edge has its own... Um, uh, but problems, I mean issues that need to be addressed um, you know, I spoke earlier about um, for example uh, more smaller local base stations that are acting as uh, endpoints that are acting as, uh, or as as edge computers that are acting as local processing sensor sensors uh, and somewhere will need to be found to locate those things I mean some of them will be in private spaces and some of them will be in public spaces but we need to find um, literally locations for them all we need to make sure that the um, the connectivity systems are in place that we've got the right connectivity so if you envisage this kind of network of um, local data centres processing data collected from uh, end points around them uh, you've got to have to make sure you've got the right um, connectivity in place and, and with luck you know the coming of 5G Will, will really help in that area. So there are issues. Security remains a perennial issue. I mean, I said earlier that um, the security risks uh, could be reduced a bit by reducing the, the the latency, the distance essentially, that the data has to travel for processing and reducing the time it's exposed to attack. But that, that's not the end of the security story. I mean, there are all sorts of issues around make, main, maintaining security and making sure that the network is as resilient and as reliable and as safe as possible uh, against um, malevolent attack. So, um, And all those questions look different if you're looking at, at edge devices than if you're looking at cloud devices. So uh, edge, is, as you put it, you know, it does deserve a seat at the, at the policy table in its own right and i think he's beginning to get one
0: i just want to touch on security for just a second um since a lot of your answer then did involve a lot of the risks and challenges of, of edge with cyber do you have any advice for any listeners today who might be looking at implementing um some edge infrastructure um into the into their product or into their service um what advice would you give to them to help mitigate those cyber risks
1: yeah well it's a very good question and um you know, su- some of us in the in the in the sector have long now talked about security by design and have been promoting the idea that security needs to be uh, built into the design of edge products right from the start of their conception and development. It's not security; it's not something that should be just bolted on at the end. And there are a number of initiatives afoot designed to help. Uh, developers uh, with this problem. um, There are a number, for example, of of publicly available checklists recommending steps that developers take to make sure that security is built into their product uh, right from the start. And what we need to do is to make sure that uh, customers, consumers, are aware of the security dimension they don't need to be experts in it but they need to be aware of the security dimension so that they can ask intelligent questions uh, of a system before they purchase it and you know there there are several initiatives afoot run by governments uh and other organizations designed to drive up consumer awareness of the security issues I mean, in the uk um the british government has been has had out a code of practice on this for some time and has been looking quite carefully at whether uh it makes sense to have some regulation uh in this area but the, 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 and they haven't yet finally decided but the focus i think of their their work is going to be on you know if you go into a retail store when no one goes into store these days or if you're online buying a product does that retailer have a responsibility to, add to 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 tell you what the security provisions of the product are? And the government's answer to this is. Uh, they're looking at mandating at least three basic security requirements so that consumers and retailers can confidently say uh, this product that we're offering has the three basic security requirements. So this is a a multi sort of faceted way of driving up um consumer awareness and and frankly consumer groups um like which have a role to play in this too and they um certainly they have been supportive of of some of the british government's efforts to drive consumer awareness and they might be able to play a bigger role you know so in in the same way you know almost everybody who goes to buy a second-hand car uh lifts up the um the hood and has a look at the engine and if there's oil all over it, (laughs) might think twice or, you know, they kick the tyres or they, they use the foot brake and if it goes all the way down to the floor and is a bit soft, they might say well maybe the brakes aren't as good as they ought to be on this so some elementary awareness of certain aspects of security is I think what will really drive up the demand for security and that's what the government and a number of other bodies are trying to promote right now so they can drive the demand for security, which is what will really help make sure the system is secure.
0: I think it's great that you've highlighted some best practice of edge computing and edge computing security there. And I think it's 100% correct that we need to raise awareness of the security implications of edge. But how can we position the UK as a leader of edge computing?
1: Yeah, I think this is another very interesting question. And I think it's, it's a question which is very pertinent, you know, as, as um, the UK now emerges from its membership of the European Union, and certainly in one one vision of that future, uh, there is a there is a, a vision of the UK as a sort of high tech high tech society leading the way in a number of tech uh, developments and tech deployments. And I think you know, edge is 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 clearly one of those things that it would be great if the UK were to become a one of the world leaders in. What does it need? It needs um, it needs a variety of things, really. And I think, in fairness to the British government, it, it's trying. So, so some of edge, as I think as I, I indicated earlier, some of edge is, is is sort of linked in with 5G, and and certainly the government has developed uh, a range, or has helped fund a range of test beds and trials on 5G. Some of which, you know, are, are using edge. Edge, edge computing techniques. And um, the aim of the government's trials is not only to show that the technology works, but also to show that there is a business benefit um, from using the technology. And this, in my experience, is always one of the problems that you know, businesses need to be convinced that there are real advantages in adopting this technology. So anything that can be done to demonstrate those advantages is a great step forward.
0: And finally, um, in the light of COVID-19, can you maybe summarise some of the points that you've made here today and um, give insight into what the future of EDGE will look like?
1: I'll start with what I said at the beginning, I think, uh, you know, 2020 may turn out to be the first year of our century. And I said, I described one or two of the things that that meant at the beginning. But it also means, of course, um, it's got something to do with health, right? We're going to come out of, of 2020 much more aware, I think, of the fragility of our health and of our healthcare systems than we were uh, when we went into 2020. And I think that's going to be one of the things which um, characterizes the next few years. And I think the use of edge technology in delivering health services is something that will, um, I hope, receive quite a boost as a result of uh, this growing interest in, in health. So, you know, there there are a number of edge devices out there already which have health applications, whether they are, there are devices that sort of monitor breathing patterns of asthma patients, and and you know collect that data, and they can they, they make it available to specialists to to analyse. There are devices which um, are designed to assist people with dementia staying longer in their own homes or their own communities, and I think we'll see a, a growing interest in in the interface between health and technology as, as we learn some of the lessons of, of, of the COVID pandemic.
0: Those examples do exemplify the role edge computing will play in the months and years ahead. Well, that's it in terms of questions. Thank you so much for sharing your insight here today, Stephen. Now, I am joined by Joe Bagley, who is the Chief Technology Officer at VMware. Thank you for coming along, Joe.
2: No problem, it's really a pleasure to be here as always.
0: Um, So we've actually got some questions around Cloud Native Edge today, but I think it's best to probably start off with a brief introduction to what Cloud Native Edge is.
2: Yeah, no worries. I mean, I think we to to understand that, we have to understand what cloud native is first. And so cloud native uh, is, you know, I suppose the leading place to get a definition of a cloud native is the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, the CNCF, uh, which was launched by the Linux Foundation five years or so ago. Um, And so cloud native really in a sort of more narrow definition is where you take a software stack to be containerized, where each part of the package, the app is packaged in its own container, dynamically orchestrated, and each one's actively scheduled and managed to optimize resource utilization. Basically, it's microservices. It's putting things in containers. It's, just, it's um, decoupling components and allowing them to scale at speed. So that's really sort of the... The cloud-native definition piece of this. So yes, you know your, your traditional containers uh, is part of that, but it goes to higher-order levels too in terms of you know platform as a service and functions as a service. But in the context of edge, this is really how do we enable what traditionally were very specifically defined devices in terms of their operation at the edge and make them much more multi-purpose and then allow this kind of you know cloud-native activity to go on, on top of them, I suppose, really. And you know it, it does lead us into what's the definition of edge, which is always a fun conversation.
0: Um, well, don't worry, we don't need to give any definition of um, Edge right now. <laughs> but I think it would also be useful to understand the role of telcos and their use of cloud-native Edge. Do you maybe have an example of how telcos can use cloud-native Edge or maybe give another brief definition of that?
2: Well, yeah, so let's look a little bit at what telcos do. So, you know, if you think about traditional telcos, and let's talk about mobile telcos, because that's mainly what we're talking about nowadays is as those everyone moves from sort of 4G to 5G. If you look at what's in a normal cell tower or... Um, what you've got is obviously the equipment and the, the, the bits on top that do the actual broadcast and so the antennas. But then if you come further down, you've got all the equipment that sits underneath now. Now there's a general trend at the moment, it has been for a long time from that, from moving from being very dedicated hardware, you know, from a specific manufacturer, much like we used to do a long time ago in data centers to, you know, generic uh, white box to an extent, but typically it's from a leading manufacturer x86, Uh, And then on top of that, everything runs in a a virtualized world. Well, you know, the the great thing about that is that the next step in this is that if you've now got instead of a bunch of dedicated hardware nodes doing the thing, you've now got everything happening in software. There's a couple of benefits. The real benefit is that your, your reasons for visiting those actual physical locations will go down dramatically because you can do an awful lot more maintenance upgrades, installs remotely just by doing things in software. And then obviously, you've now, instead of having a bunch of physical endpoint nodes, what you've got is a hugely distributed thousands of nodes cloud, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, You know, traditional cloud computing, people call it edge, but it is a hugely distributed cloud in that context. If you now place some kind of control layer on top of that, or platforms of that allows people to access that programmatically at scale, you've then got some phenomenal opportunities here. So one of those is, how can you actually monetize that way beyond just you know, people connecting to it with, with devices to access data? What if you could sell capacity in those cell towers to other organizations, to your customers? So you know, a really good example would be, as we move into you know, more demanding environments, you could get people who would traditionally would deploy something in the cloud to instead deploy it right out there at the edge of the node where it's Needed most, you know. So if you look at that from the context of being the telco, you're basically selling this platform now. So if I'm one of your customers, let's just say I'm a betting company, uh, instead of putting all my betting infrastructure in the cloud, what I could actually do is maybe on match days when we get to go to football matches again, I could put the front end of my betting services actually in the cell towers next to the stadiums where games are being played, and people could be doing, you know, real in-time, you know, in-game betting at the fastest possible speed, you know. And there's thousands of examples of where you can think about moving the compute to be closer and the leading one of these actually is gaming and we'll probably get to that a bit later on
0: yes gaming is one of the best use cases when we talk about cloud native edge and yeah let's get to that in just a couple of moments but Mm. one of the most important conversations we need to have around cloud native edge is security and so looking a little bit more broadly at cloud native edge are there any particular security concerns that companies might need to consider
2: Yeah, completely. I think the the point is we need to change how we, you know, this is a bit of a cliche term. We need to change how we think about security. But we do. Uh, Traditional security was let's put everything in a data center, then we'll secure the data center, then we'll all be fine. And the problem we've got with that is it's a bit of an eggshell or a castle type approach, where the people inside the castle don't tend to worry too much about locking their front doors, et cetera, because they've got these big castle walls around them. It's very much perimeter security thinking. When we move to cloud native, there is no perimeter anymore. Everything's distributed, everything's everywhere. So now everyone needs to think about their own security. So the challenge there is in teaching developers and operations teams about thinking about security all the time, rather than that being something the security team worries about with their big firewalls and what they do in that space. And so as we go to distributed environment, it's important that any platform that you deploy out to that edge has inherent security built into it. Now there's great advances made in that space, specifically around technologies with virtualized networking, micro segmentation, and all those spaces. And that's exactly where we should be looking, that it's not just, okay, how do I virtualize stuff at the edge or do containers at the edge? It's how do I deploy an operational platform at the edge that is inherently secure by what I'm doing with networking, you know, SD-WAN, some of the SASE technologies and other different bits and pieces to make sure that when a developer goes and spins up a container there, they're not spinning it up in some dangerous space, it up in a safe space so definitely you know security is something people should be worried about you know and and this is much more about logical security than it is necessarily about physical security i suppose
0: and it seems that there might be a bit of a cultural change within the organization that is needed for cloud native edge do you agree
2: Oh, most definitely. I think it goes along with the cultural change that needs to be taken with microservices generally. Uh, understanding that you're maintaining these monolithic, closely coupled, tightly coupled, um, you know, stacks and moving to something that's very loosely coupled and distributed requires huge changes from a, from the concept of, of how you manage things and how you operate, how you scale. And so, yeah, it, this is the classic story of, of how do I change from, from old style operations to new style, you know, cloud-native operations. I, I'm loath to use the term DevOps because it's ho- horribly overused, but it, it's been used in the past for, for similar sort of reasons. But it, it's much more about how do you operate in, in a cloud-native world. And cloud-native edge is just an extension of that in terms of where it's physically running. The principles are still the same.
0: Brilliant. And I want to move on to look at innovation around edge computing more broadly in just a second. Mm-hmm. But I want to see if there's any more emerging use cases you want to highlight around cloud-native edge.
2: Yeah, I think you need to look more about why Edge is happening. So Edge is happening because essentially data is being created in huge volumes in places and there is not the time or the inclination to ship a lot of that back to a central cloud to process it to then go back out with the result. So what we're seeing now is increasingly, for example, you know, huge data collection to do with image recognition, you know, facial recognition, all these other different things that where there's large amounts of video data or and more importantly, where we're now looking at distributed machine learning and AI. And so, you know, we actually have a, a VMware, a quite extensive research project running specifically around distributed machine learning, distributed querying, because we're realizing that things are not going to sit in one big cloud. This machine learning is going to be happening everywhere. So how do you make that happen coherently as one big machine learning exercise rather than lots of smaller ones? So when you look at these use cases, people are saying, okay, fine, a really good example of, of edge in itself is you know self-driving cars but you can just extend that to what goes on in a supermarket for example if i'm running facial recognition in a supermarket attract people around the supermarket and and then get some inference about who's shopping where and what they're doing and why I, i'm and by long this is done anonymously by, by supermarkets they don't actually care who you are it's just your shopper number seven for example there's no reason to ship all of that video feed back to the center processing has to happen locally. And as we get into more and more of this, as, as, as things expand, we're going to see more and more processing happening locally at the point of need, as opposed to being shipped back to a cloud. So to do that, what you need to have is, is cloud native principles available, for people to take these, you know, microservices concepts and, and this speed of development, but do them natively at the edge. And so, yeah, there's some phenomenal use cases out there. And one of them specifically is, is to do with speed and people trying to get speed of access to data and, and results back quickly.
0: I want to start looking a little bit more at emerging technologies and how they work with edge and how edge can really be an enabler of certain forms of emerging technology, specifically looking at the role of 5G with edge computing, what do you think the amalgamation of these two technologies will mean for future deployment?
2: So 5G really is about two things, bandwidth and latency, okay? It's going to give you increased bandwidth from the cell node down to the device, and it's going to give you reduced latency, hopefully. And so, you know, what can you do with, with increased bandwidth and reduced latency? Well, you can do cool things like gaming. And that's where I think if you if you want to spot an interesting trend and innovation in this space, you want to look at something like Google Stadia, uh, where you're looking at, instead of having a console in your house The console runs in the cloud, and you're essentially just remote controlling that and playing locally. Obviously, the next logical step with that, which we're talking about with with lots of people, is to move that to be done on your mobiles. And so as you go forward, the next version of something like Fortnite might not actually be a locally running app. It might actually be something that runs in the cell tower that you happen to be connected to, and you're merely just remote controlling it. And therefore, the latency and the bandwidth between you and that, that cell tower is really important. And so, you know, the emerging role of 5G just gives us more opportunities, more platforms for that for that killer app that's going to make people engage with 5G and, and drive to using it. And, and I think gaming is something that's often understated in this space. One thing to bear in mind, though, with with 5G is that it will require an awful lot more cell towers. I think a lot of people seem to think it's some magic fix. It requires a larger density of cell towers and more cell towers. So for every 4G cell tower you've got now, you're going to need four to 16 5G cell towers. So, you know, in that context, you're going to need an awful lot more cell towers. So, again, it's becoming more complex to manage a more complicated environment, but a much more larger opportunity for people to, as I say, sell these services on top of this platform that they're building if you're a telco.
0: And is 5G a bit of an overhyped technology when we talk about edge computing?
2: I, it depends. I mean, if everyone seems to think 5G is this massive thing that's going to solve everything. I, I don't think it is. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's this massive, wonderful thing that's going to solve everything. I, I think there may be a level of overhype about 5G, it's going to transform how people run and operate telco platforms for sure it's going to transform how people run and operate telco networks from an end consumer perspective i think until we start to see those killer apps that i talked about that new gaming application you know those those new ways of engaging i don't think we're going to see a a huge you know rush to, to, to jumping onto 5G is the next thing that's going to save the world. From an edge perspective, it just gives us more opportunities in terms of when we're deploying edge devices around bandwidth and latency, as I mentioned before. So, you know, certain scenarios where you may be limited in bandwidth and latency as to what you can do at the edge might be further facilitated by, you know, 5G doing that. Yeah. I think, but then when you look at the general trend around edge computing is around the fact that we'd have low bandwidth and latency, so need to do more at the edge, it's kind of going to be an interesting balance. It just gives us more options as we go forward. But I don't think, you know, it's it's probably the most exciting thing.
0: Yeah, and you touched on before some of the really innovative use cases that edge computing is going to be crucial for. And these are quite consumer based, especially around gaming and esports, which are incredibly Mm -hmm. popular at the moment. But why don't people seem to be that aware of the role of edge computing in this? And is there anything that we need to do to help raise awareness of the importance of edge computing in the future?
2: Well, I think we've we've rotated dramatically as an industry to put everything in the cloud, right? So the answer is put it in the cloud, put it in the cloud, put it in the cloud. I think um, for most people, that seems to be put it in one, you know, a large cloud data center. I don't think what people realize is that the cloud can include the edge too as a concept in terms of what you're actually doing is you're putting it into a microservices architecture that has a distributed nature that can be run anywhere and can scale anywhere. So actually, you know, if we start to talk about the benefits of enabling your your architecture, your application to scale to be closer to you, to have you know processing happen locally at at a, at a at a at a different cost basis or a cheaper or or whatever, I think that's really we need to start talking to people about you know edge computing is 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 the next thing. I think that the challenge we have is people tend to knock this back because they go, oh, this this is just the you know the traditional centralized, decentralized, centralized, decentralized cycle of IT. I think what people miss in that is every time we go through that cycle. What we end up with is, is a, a centralized control plane. So, what we're doing is we said, okay, fine. Look back before cloud. We had these, you know, massively disparate systems with, you know, a, a different way of managing what we did in the data center to a different way we did of managing things in the cloud, and and, and you know, very different to how we did that at the edge. Once we then move things to be running in cloud data centers, we started to settle on new scalable ways of operating, such as cloud native. And what we're now saying is, okay, well, instead of that horrible disjointed world of of MPLS networks and WANs and all this nasty stuff you used to have before to enable you to do edge computing, which is why it was so hard, we can now very simply extend that cloud operating model to the edge. And therefore, the possibilities are huge. But we're doing that because we centralized the control plane. We now have one distributed model for compute networking and storage, for example, and security on top of that. So I think that's where we have to sort of start to sell the benefits of this in that, you know, this edge is not like the edge of 10 years ago. A lot of those challenges have been built. A lot of those challenges have been overcome. It's far easier to deploy an edge device. It's far easier to manage it. And, you know, there's been great advances in that space too. You know, one of the great innovations recently, obviously, is, is ARM processors. And I know, you know, Stephen's been talking um, from an ARM perspective here. But for us, what you've got now is, is a greater array of, of low-power of low consumption processes that are ideally suited for edge computing. And at VMware, we've actually brought out a hypervisor for ARM, and we now can get this, this edge computing platform running on Raspberry Pis, which is, is pretty cool when you think about it, right? So, you know, there's this opportunity now for people to start to understand they can deploy really interesting technology in really simple ways to achieve some phenomenal scale that they couldn't dream of five, 10 years ago.
0: I completely agree. And we're talking about almost a completely different edge ecosystem over the last 10 years. But this might maybe raise a different point here. Is there a problem in the difference of pace between industry and what industry is aware of around edge computing? And then also what the research institutions are really pushing forward? And if there is this little bit of a gap, how can we really push forward innovation by bringing the two together in the UK? (laughs)
2: <laughs> so there's there's a very famous saying which my CEO Pat also loves, which is that the only reason God built the Earth in seven days was because he didn't have any legacy. Um, I think when when you look at, well, you know, people always bemoan, oh, we're doing these amazing cool things in our R and D. Why can't you guys deploy them? It's like, well, because I've got all this other stuff I have to manage and run, and I can't just put this new thing in and and just take up. There's, there's all these things that stop me. So, And the things that stop you isn't a will. People want to do these things. Industry wants to advance. I think they're held back. They're held back by a few things. They're held back by their existing legacy. They're held back by existing operating models. And they're held back by regulations. And so I think, if anything, you know, how organizations like Tech UK and you know, the manufacturers and, and, and the developers like ourselves can be helping is in helping working with the organizations that, that set those regulations for a start to ensure that they keep pace and, and a bit more future ready in that respect. And at the same time, we need greater education in the marketplace around how, as I've talked about through all this, as people start to adopt cloud native techniques and technologies, these microservices technologies, whether it's in the data center or in the cloud or at the edge. There is a change in how you think. There's a change in how you operate across the board in everything you do in IT. You don't have separate silos for compute network storage and security. They, they all have to talk to each other. And in fact, they all have to come together to build one coherent platform. So you know, what can we do? We can better educate people. We can make people more aware of the, those changes. And, and like I say, whenever I get involved in any conversation about technology, which is oddly multiple times a day in my role, it always ends up being a discussion about, people and process. I feel like I'm going to call it Bagley's law, right? You know, any, any discussion, if it goes on long enough, will end up, if it starts on technology, end up being about people and process. So, you know, how do we help? We need to help people evolve their people and processes as fast as possible. I think Tech UK is doing great things in, in that space already.
0: Thank you, Joe, and that's really great to hear. And maybe we should start adopting Bagley's law as well. <laughs> um, so one question that I have been asking to every speaker on this podcast today, and the question that I'm going to finish it with is, What do you think the future of edge is going to look like in the UK, especially in the light of COVID-19?
2: So we've seen a, a great uptake of SD-WAN solutions as a result of COVID-19. As we shift a lot of people to be working from home, there's been a lot more people dealing with low bandwidth, bad broadband, et cetera. So our our SD-WAN solutions have been have been picked up massively. Um I think uh, how's it going to drive the, the the future of Edge and, and the light of COVID-19? I think it's just gonna help accelerate the adoption of some of these technologies, if you ask me. As we become more into a distributed workforce, we just announced, you know, recently our, our, our new our new, our new working policies at vmware around enabling our people to have choice about where they work they can choose whether they work at home they can choose if they can work in an office or it's it's up to them really and and it diversifies also where we can hire from i think that's just going to highlight even more the, the the need for not everything to be located centrally and 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 things to be distributed wherever that whether that's how people are creating or how people are consuming i think it's going to it's going to change dramatically
0: thank you so much for joining us here today joe
2: It's been my pleasure. Thanks very much.
0: Next, I am joined by Mehdi Kazmi, who is the Global Head of Sales for Edge Computing at Atos. Today, Mehdi will be discussing two of the key principles of edge computing, cybersecurity as well as sustainability. So good morning Mehdi, thank you for joining us here today. Would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself and your topics?
3: Thank you, Laura. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Mehdi. I look after global sales for edge computing. Uh, today we'll be talking about one of the key fundamental, which is uh, security, but also one of the benefits uh, from edge computing. And we'll be talking about sustainability.
0: Thank you. So I think it's best to just jump straight into the questions. So yep. to begin with, when we discuss edge security, what do we mean?
3: Uh, As for all IT solutions, um, there are six layers of cybersecurity that needs to be managed um, uh, for edge computing. Uh, The human layer, uh, usually uh, we speak more about uh, training people, Uh, the perimeter and physical security, network security, the endpoint security, the application security, and also data security.
0: So before we discuss the challenges around cybersecurity for edge computing, I think it's really important that we actually highlight some of the security advantages of edge computing.
3: Yeah, edge servers and uh, associated devices are installed anywhere. Uh, it can be in a plant, it can be in a rail station, in a store, uh, wall-mounted, ceiling-mounted. It means that there are limited physical security. And at Atos, what we build, uh, we build servers that are hardened and rigidized.
0: Brilliant. However, that's all quite complex. And if you are a company just starting out on your edge computing journey, it might be a little bit difficult to know how you can harness the benefits of privacy and security for edge. So my next question for you is if you are a company starting out on your edge computing journey, how do you best navigate the benefits of privacy and security elements for edge computing?
3: Assume we're in a very competitive industry um, and your production environment needs real time reaction in closed loop. There's a need to transfer real time data and process all those data real time. Compute needs to be provided inside an environment where connectivity and response time can be tightly controlled. All production data about processes, machines, quality inspection, should be kept private and can be hosted in a net sovereign mode for the company. Usually we link edge computing to, to the cloud Business outcomes from those uh, production data could then be shared in a cloud instance for reporting purpose or by connecting it to an ERP system, for instance. Edge computing provides a perfect response to these high-stakes challenges.
0: So as with any emerging technology like edge computing, security is crucial and needs to be considered. Do you have any other key factors that you would like to bring up um, for customers going forward or anything else generally that you would like to add?
3: Yes. um, In fact, edge computing is extending rather than replacing the cloud. So it's simply not enough to have a security policy in place as described earlier. The policy alone will not protect the company from threats. Employee-focused security measures such as training and employee engagement are the most productive tactics being used by companies to safeguard themselves against future cyber threats.
0: Thank you, Mehdi. As we're nearing the end of this podcast, I wanted to finish off by talking about some of the sustainability implications around EDGE to leave our listeners thinking about the future adoption of this technology.
3: Yes, uh, in the coming years, businesses of all kinds are likely to be subject to strict rules on CO2 reduction. Um, In this context, uh, they will have to work to reduce their energy footprint. Uh, This constraint is in fact an opportunity since it has many advantages, such as positive effect on business uh, performance with less energy expenditure and a more sustainable business. To address this challenge, the use of edge computing can be effective in reducing the energy footprint of digital workloads. In a digital ecosystem, it's relatively difficult to accurately measure uh, the amount of energy used by the network. Some studies determined that to transfer one gigabyte of data through a mobile network, uh, we consume about 0.5 kilowatt of energy. It's not an absolute truth. These figures can vary depending on many parameters, but can give an idea of what the network consumes. Unlike a remote private cloud system, the edge can be installed on site directly on the same network. This means that the pressure on bandwidth will be lower. It will be possible to reassign network bandwidth to other usages or simply reduce the energy consumption of network infrastructure. Uh, Finally, at the edge, we optimize energy consumption uh, compared to computing workload within data centers. The study determined that for 100 Watt of IT company, are using 67 Watt of auxiliary power, such as uh, air conditioning. Using ruggedized edge servers, we can save that energy.
0: So it seems it's difficult to measure the carbon implications um, of edge computing, but it is still clear that edge infrastructure can be sustainable if built right. When we look at scaling edge, how can we make sure that it is future fit?
3: From a scalability standpoint, edge computing, as you know, is about sensors, getaway, edge servers, cameras, but also edge data centers. These edge data centers are smaller facilities that extend edge of a network and deliver cast streaming content to local end users or support applications that demand a high amount of bandwidth uh, that are latency sensitive, and uh, require rapid response time. Edge data centers can range from small clusters of edge cloud, uh, near a robot, a cobot in a um, uh, manufacturing plant, for instance, uh, to a few racks located in a shelter, near a production line, or in a race station, inside a building, or a warehouse, but could be also a self-contained ready-to-drop and -and plug-and-play container in a uh, temporary facility. Fleet management and container technology could be also used to facilitate the scalability of edge solution from a platform management perspective. From a future fit standpoint, uh, cloud computing is now the predominant mechanism for IT service delivery. Companies appreciate the benefit it brings agility, scalability, cost, efficiency, and more. Uh, This current approach, however, needs to evolve in the long run. And uh, edge computing enhances cloud-first strategies. The rapid advance in technologies such as industrial IoT, big data analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, computer vision, requires more compute at the edge in a hybrid cloud environment.
0: So I want to touch on something else for a second here, Mehdi, and it can be a little bit difficult to measure the environmental impact of edge computing when the data has been managed on-premise rather than, than in a standardized data center, for example. How can we mitigate these challenges, especially when edge is on-premise?
3: When deploying edge computing, environmental impact is even easier to track using fleet management softwares. Uh, we know how many edge devices are being deployed, their types, the power of consumption of each edge device, their location, their uptime. So with that information, it's easy to calculate environmental impact.
0: How do we look to build sustainability in by design?
3: At Apples, we build server and um, we do sustainability by design. There is a focus on maintaining a low power consumption for the entire machine. To give you three concrete examples, we select outstanding energy efficient GPUs for AI inference to run AI models at the edge. We design optimized motherboards to limit raw material consumption. We also work on robustness of the service so they don't need extra cooling, for instance.
0: Thank you for that example, Mehdi. Edge sustainability is an important theme for us at Tech UK, and you can read more about this in Tech UK's upcoming Edge report. Finally Mehdi, I have finished each interview today with the same question, and that is, in the light of the COVID-19 pandemic, What does the future of Edge look like to you?
3: Uh, COVID has been a huge accelerator for Edge computing. Uh, To give you some examples, thermal camera screenings in airports are using uh, Edge computing. Some customer sites uh, were having to shut down due to lack of staff in COVID. Several were critical sites required for emergency services. So we've deployed AI computer vision at the Edge allowing sites to safely run partially unmanned during the day and fully unmanned at night. We've also deployed occupancy control systems in retail. We deployed also social distancing violation, tracking in public areas like race stations. We see also that edge computing is a revolution in IT world and will be accelerated with 5G development. 5G bringing speed, and mobile edge computing, reducing latency by bringing compute capabilities into the network closer to the end user.
0: Thank you so much for joining us here today, Mehdi, on Tech UK's Edge Computing podcast. It's been an absolute delight to have you come along and share your insights. Thank you, Laura. That is it for this month's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed exploring what the future of edge computing looks like in the UK. We would like to thank our guests for joining us here today. And if you are interested in learning more about edge computing, you can read TechUK's latest report now on our website.